Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Nerd, nerd lab. lab. Get those nerds! 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 Let the nerds take, take over! Nerd alert! What are you, some kind of nerd? Not some kind of nerd. I am the king of nerds. Nerd! Nerd stuff probably really excites you because you're a nerd. This is the Nerd Talkalypse Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything nerd. We provide the latest and greatest from trending pop culture and fandoms alike. So take a break from killing zombies with your lightsaber, hang up your cape and cowl, and hop onto the Hogwarts Express and ride your way over to Geek Down to fight our gym leaders and hosts of the show, Lane Stipe and Deej Penhollow. Hello, nerd enthusiasts, and thanks for joining us for this week's edition of Nerd Talkalypse Podcast. My name is Lane. And I'm Deej. And as always, we're geeking out weekly with our listeners about our favorite nerd topics. From Marvel and DC Comics, TV and film, Star Wars, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and beyond, Pokemon, the Walking Dead universe, Dragon Ball Z, GT Super, and the films alike and most things in between. That's right, guys, and here on our show, we express pride in pop culture nerdism and work hard to bring you trending content from all the fandoms you love. Please reach out to us via email, nerdtalklipse at gmail.com, Twitter at nerdtalklipse, or simply write up a review on iTunes or facebook.com slash nerdtalklipse. We'd love some listener feedback. Hey, what's up, everybody, and thanks for joining us for episode 35 of Nerd Talkalypse. Um, we got... Just the normal the normal stuff that we're going over. We got news, Walking Dead, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, Legends. If we've got time at the end, Pokemon, and we'll do some Nerdy Mad Libs. Um, those last two are always subject to change, depending on how far we run. Or how long we run, I mean. But the first things first, you got any opening statements? No. <laughs> Nothing opening for Lane. Alright, so we're going to get right into nerd news and get into the show. It's time for the latest in nerd news with Nerd Talkalypse. All right, everybody, nerd news, episode 35. Let's see. First things first, we have a little bit of a shout out we want to do for a local business from here in Dubois, PA called Bounce Kids Zone and it's located in the Dubois Mall. Uh, they're open from uh, let me see here. They're open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily and $6 per child one ages 1 to 10 for up to 2 hours of playtime. Lane and I we take our daughters there every so often. They absolutely love it. It's a good time. There's a bunch of stuff going on in there. Oh yeah. Um we were talking to them last week. Uh, we got a phone number here. It's five eight one four five nine zero six eight zero two. You can reach them at Bounce Kid Zone on Facebook. Um, they're, they also have directions. Uh, go to their Facebook page, like their page. They don't have a whole lot of stuff going on over here. So um, we were talking to them. Told them that we would give you know give them a little bit of a shout out because they're so good to us. Oh yes, I mean you pay six bucks and your two-year-old or however gets to just run around and jump around, and it's it's worth it, I think. 
It's $6 for a good night's sleep. Yeah. That's right. That's what you got to think of. Cause they'll, they'll be tired afterwards. Guaranteed. That's for, Yeah, that's for sure. <coughs> so now that we've got that part out of the way, um, we can move right into the first article of news. You want to start it off, Lane? All right. We don't have any Walking Dead news this week, but we do have some DC news we're going to start off with. Not, hard, not sure exactly how to say this name, but I think it's like Sierra Hines. Sierra Hines has been cast as the villain Steppenwolf in Justice League movie. The 63-year-old actor is a Game of Thrones veteran, playing the the character Mance Raider from 2013 to 2015. I'm not too familiar with Game of Thrones, <coughs> but cool, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, he looks he looks like he looks the part, so. so. I think it looks really good. Like I think he's gonna be a, a good thing. He so looks this like is Steppenwolf. A, yeah, I guess if Steppen if Steppenwolf can have a a certain look to him, I don't. I've never really seen him in anything, so I don't really know what he looks like. But I think he'll do just fine. I, I trust. I trust Warner Brothers. You about to look some up? Yeah. But okay, so there's. Uh, two more little things in news. This one's kind of a little spoilery for Supergirl, I guess, but uh, they, they announced it as like a big coming thing. Like, But I guess Cyborg Superman is making his way to Supergirl in Season 2. Cyborg Superman? Cyborg Superman. the fuck is that? Uh, I'm expecting, fully expecting it to be uh, Jeremiah Danvers. I have no idea. I don't know if it was confirmed or not. Gotta grow some facial hair, it'll do alright. Yeah. But, so yeah, I'm fully expecting it to be the father of these girls. I don't know, I guess we'll have to see when, when and if that'll happen, and if uh, Tyler Hecklin comes back to be Superman in the actual episode, or is Supergirl's just gonna fight him? Hey, he gets a chance to be, uh... Oh, it is Dean Cain. Superman again. Yeah, I guess it is Dean Cain, that's crazy. Well, where are you seeing that? Right there. Will Dean Cain become? Oh, Simon? Will Dean Cain. I hope it's Dean Cain. That'd be awesome. I don't really see. Uh... Ain't like about what his powers are or anything. No. Yeah. Right here's a cyborg Superman. Hank Henshaw. Hank Henshaw was an astronaut at NASA until a solar flare hit his space shuttle during an experiment in space, damaging the ship and the crew. Henshaw and the crew found that their bodies had begun to mutate, and after returning to Earth, Henshaw's entire crew, including his wife, eventually committed suicide. After learning that Superman had thrown the Eradicator into the sun in a battle during the space shuttle experiment, Henshaw blamed Superman for the solar flare and the accident. Before his body completely disintegrated due to the radiation exposure, Henshaw was able to save his consciousness. Using NASA communications equipment, Henshaw beams his minds into the birthing matrix, which had carried Superman from Krypton to Earth as an infant. He creates a small exploration craft from the birthing matrix and departs into outer space alone, becoming increasingly increasingly mentally unstable. Henshaw used Superman's birthing matrix to create a body identical to Superman's, albeit with cybernetic parts. He turned to Earth to kill Superman, only to discover that Superman had already died during Henshaw's absence. Following Superman's eventual resurrection, Henshaw would not only become a recurring adversary of Superman, but of the Green Lantern as well. Hank Henshaw became a member of the Sinestro Corps during the Blackest Night. Whoa, ain't that some shit? Hank Henshaw. That's, Hank Henshaw. That's who John Jones is portrayed. <laughs> wow. <coughs> Zor-El was introduced as a new cyborg Superman for New 52. Zor-El. 
These are his powers and abilities. Just after this, I'm done. Hank Henshaw is a cyborg Superman. Hank Henshaw possesses the ability to control and reanimate various machines. Due to his experience with Superman's birth matrix, Henshaw now has all of Superman's powers and genetic tissue identical to the Man of Steel's. As a member of the Sinestro Corps, Henshaw has access to a power ring fueled by fear energy that allows him to create and construct he can imagine. So he can control various machines, all the powers of Superman, and he has a yellow fear ring. Oh my. That's ridiculous. Yeah. wonder if they'll portray him with a yellow fear ring. I doubt this. it. Yeah, probably not. This Because this would be prior to him joining the Sinestro Corps, I imagine. Now, as Zor-El's uh, Superman, Cyborg Superman, he is cybernetically enhanced with the ability to fly, fire powerful heat rays from his cybernetic eyes, and projects electricity from his body. Zor-El's cybernetic arm can shapeshift into whatever he desires, limited only by the technology available to him at the given moment that he chooses to use this ability. Zor-El has the ability to fly, is virtually indestructible, and has super speed and super strength. So, pretty much like Superman. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that's insane. So, I don't know. I guess that's coming to Supergirl. Let's hope that it's done right. I can't believe it's Hank Henshaw. That's crazy. Did not know that. I bet they will make it as their father, though. Yeah. It just seems it just seems very likely. Right. But Okay, so uh, the last piece of DC news, uh, I'm sure it's got people excited. I, I had been hearing about it. Not not us specifically. It's I'm not a person that's watched Young Justice or anything like that. But I know that people out there have been talking about it for ages, like right alongside Constantine being released on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, they were talking about Young Justice Season 3 happening, and, and they were telling everybody to go, out, go on to Netflix and watch it. And even if you're not... <clears throat> Excuse me. Even if you're not watching it, just let it play through. Let people, you know, let people know that you care that Young Justice is a thing. So season three has officially been announced. I don't know if it's going to be on the station that it usually aired on back in the day, or if it's going to be like a Netflix original, or what they're going to do. But Young Justice season three is coming. So if you are a fan of Young Justice, good on you. Not that we're not fans, I've just never watched it. We should. It's only three seasons in, it wouldn't be hard to catch up. Yeah, we really should, because I don't know, I don't even know what it's about. Maybe something we can just watch, just beat some time. But, alright, well, we're going to get into some Marvel news. De- neither Deidre or I have seen this movie yet, but we are going to see this Friday night. And then next, our next episode will be a Doctor Strange special. Yes. So, this is, we're just going to go over a little bit of the, the statistics of the movie so far. The, to- the tomato meter from Rotten Tomatoes. From Rotten Tomatoes is it's a, a cri- the critics. It's it's pretty high and along there with the popcorn as the popcorn. Same one, right? Yeah, that's the audience now, score. The critic rating is ninety percent, which is that's pretty good for critics. Usually, critics are very fucking yeah, critical. <laughs> that's straight up certified fresh. And um, the audience score is ninety one percent. So, thumb that DJ mentioned that you notice a lot is. If the critic score is high, the audience score usually it's usually different. Yeah, you know, because like if the if the tomato score is low, the audience score is high. But this one, they're both high. Yeah, it's which is insane. I, I don't I don't think there's been any movie that's come out this year except for Deadpool has been like this. Maybe Civil War. I don't know. I didn't do any comparisons, but it's it's usually unlikely, especially when you're comparing it to DC movies. You know, I mean, the the audience score of Batman v Superman was way significantly higher than right. Than the tomato meter score, but the average rating is 7.3 out of 10, out of 233 reviews, 210 are fresh, 23 are rotten. The critics' consensus is Doctor Strange artfully balances its, how do you say that, outre, outre source material, 
Sure. Against the blockbuster constraints of the MCU, delivering a thoroughly entertaining superhero origin story in The Bargain. <coughs> the audience score 91%, average rating 4.3 out of 5, and the user ratings... Oh, yeah, these are there's 65,141 right. uh, people that voted against that. Oh, well, uh, Doctor Strange seems to be doing really well. Now, the domestic total is the si- from the 6th, you know, that we're, we're two days past that, so... Um, eighty-four million nine hundred eighty-nine thousand dollars. So eighty-five million dollars. Um, that was two days domestic only. You know, I made that in two days. The budget was one hundred sixty-five million, but worldwide they've already doubled their budget. You know, oh, their budget's doubled. Yeah. So, so we're at a total lifetime gross of domestic was at eighty-five million. The foreign is two hundred forty million four hundred thousand, with a total of three hundred twenty-five. Million three hundred eighty-nine thousand. Now, I read somewhere something about the Disney makes history, topping one billion dollar in domestic ticket sales because of this movie. Like this movie is going to push Disney. I think Disney's total. Yeah, right? probably. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. I mean, that I don't know. There's a lot. So, so we'll, which is crazy to me because oh, domestic tickets. Okay, never mind. It's not saying worldwide. Right. Well, either way, so let's let's just give give these couple people. So the the director, I did not, I've never even heard of Scott Derrickson, but he directed this movie. It's written by John, I don't even know Spates. Spates. It's also written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. Um, Star uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Tilda Swinton. I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah, Rachel McAdams, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg. Mads Mikkelsen. Produced by Kevin Feige and composed by Michael Galacchino. <laughs> Giacchino. I knew. I know Giacchino. how to say that one. It looks like an L. He's the guy who's doing Rogue One, I think. Mm. I think. I'm not exactly positive, but they had a, a Rebel Force Radio. They had a big episode Wait, where they were. Be, uh, John Williams. John Williams is not doing Rogue One. What? Wouldn't that be the first Star Wars movie he's not composing? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, John. John, Lee, I'm not. I'm not really sure why he's not doing it, uh, but he's. I think he's working on episode eight right now. So <laughs> like, he's still doing the main ones, but he's not doing the anthology films. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm almost positive that Michael Giacchino is doing doing that. Either that. There's another guy too, and I can't remember his name, but I think it was between them two that, that they were doing well, it. Well, either way, I am fucking stoked for this episode. I mean, for this movie, I cannot wait. Oh yeah, dude! To see I, this movie. It's gonna be awesome. I, my anticipation has been—I don't know—something else has come to light that's gonna kick my anticipation for this movie right in the ass. <laughs> What's that? We'll get there. Okay. All right. So we got uh, in—I'm gonna briefly mention while we're talking about composers and we're on the same note. I, I had it in here as part of like a bigger story about Deadpool filming next spring but they're not doing that anymore but at the same time their composer junkie xl this is he also, he also yeah he dropped out of the film I can't also believe it. one of the most the, the superhero movie made some of the most money ever yeah and people are leaving like why would you leave that like, i know so i don't know i don't know why he left but it's it, it's crazy people are people are dropping out all over the place it's frightening but so that that'll complete Marvel news. We got no Star Wars news. We've got one piece of Harry Potter news. If you want to go ahead and read it, Dumbledore confirmed for a Fantastic Beast sequel. Now it has been speculated that we were going to see Dumbledore in this movie. Maybe you know, I'm, probably not not a lot of action, but 
maybe a glimpse. But he is confirmed for the next one, so he will be in it. I mean, he could be in it for two seconds. You know, we yeah, don't know. For, yeah, I now I know that they will be mentioning Dumbledore in this first. Yeah, one. we've already seen that in the trailer. Yeah, so I, I'm sure that he won't be. I'm sure he'll be a part of the story, just maybe not physically there. He's probably doing something. Either way, it's still cool. Young Dumbledore would be awesome. Right. So this this will work out perfectly. My next article of news is, in other news, Stranger Things Season 2 officially starts production this past week or two. Makes you happy, I bet. Oh, yeah. I'm, I cannot wait for Season 2. I have no... I Honestly, I, <coughs> I have only one thing to say about Season 1. They could have ended it where it ended, and it could have been just like a eight-episode one-off. Yeah. yeah. And I would have been perfectly fine with that. I, I now trust me, I, I want more. But how do you, how are they going to do it? Is probably. But it's so like hit or miss with the uh, the, the the cliffhanger. Like the end of the ep- the end of the season wraps up just enough mm. to satisfy you, but leaves you with a little bit of a cliffhanger to be like, what the fuck? Like, right. what are they going to do now? Yeah. And yeah, but it's also it's also so like up in the air. Right. That I'm just like, I have no idea where they're going to go with the show. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. But it's not, I'm not like chomping at the bit trying to get another fucking season. Like, I can totally wait. Like, I'm I'm pretty wrapped in my heart with, with what had happened. So I'm I'm down with waiting. Hopefully I, season two doesn't ruin the show for you. I, I certainly hope not, man. I, I know they're doing another eight or ten episodes and I, they've released titles for them. And I know it's going to be more like Halloween type centered, um, which is going to be really crazy. But... Let's hope that I mean I know everybody's coming back. That's all I know. It was it was up in the air um, about every single person making its right. way back to the show. But and I know that you're kind of watching it, kind of not watching it. So I'm trying not to spoil anything for well, you. Yeah, I, I'll start. I'll finish it. But uh, definitely um, interesting. All right. Well, we got the next bit of news here. Well, some Dragon Ball Z news. I'm gonna recap a tiny little bit. Goku has been fighting someone known as Goku Black, who is another Kai that has wished Goku's body. So, this is a god who is wielding the the body of a Saiyan. So his level of power increase is just massive. Like, you know, he he has easily surpassed Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan. And after a few defeats, Goku and Vegeta finally went back again. Vegeta seemed to have the upper hand over Goku Black, but Goku Black and Zamasu, the immortal Kai, decided to use their trump card, which apparently is to do a Patara fusion. Now this is cool. It's kind of cool looking to me. I like the 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 Saiyan hair with the Kai face, like the green. and his white hair. Yeah, yeah. It's I awesome. like it. I think it looks cool. It looks dope. So the last episode we watched, they were pretty much this guy was this guy is powerful. Like oh yeah. You know, I mean, like the, probably unlike anything we've ever yes. seen in the show, ever. They have fended him off decently, I guess, but who knows? He probably wasn't trying that hard or whatever. So we finished the episode, which is like, shit, what the hell are they gonna do? Like, we we know we have expectations, and then immediately on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z, that like the scene it shows you, it just shows Vegito, like it just right there, <laughs> like it kind of it kind of irritates me because it would have been a nice surprise. You know what I mean? So, oh, absolutely. But. They showed a thirty-second, thirty-second uh, next episode thing was a Vegito the entire time fighting against this thing, powering up, blasting weight. Oh my god! Like it, the height, I can't. <laughs> to me, this is like the greatest thing in TV history for a long time. Maybe since the first time we saw Vegito. Like 
in any show, anything. Like I can't, be, I cannot wait to see the amount of power that this is. He's gonna be able to put out. Like I mentioned before, I post on my Facebook <clears throat> when we first see Vegito, he fights Boo, Super Boo, and he's quite a bit stronger. So he's not really trying. You know, he kind of is messing with him. He pretty much <laughs> everything goes on the way that he imagines it. Even as a little chocolate toffee candy ball thing, he kicks his ass. So. We didn't really get to see the full force of Vegito's power. Right now, I have a question that I, that I was going to ask you, but I was like, "Oh, I'm going to wait till we do the show to ask you." But and I don't remember. But I, I saw an article about this happening on Twitter, okay. and it said, and I don't remember it being a rule in the show. But there was there was a rule about not transforming um, before you do the ring earrings. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. That's. I think I, be- I believe I remember that being said. He told him to do it as base instead of transforming first, because I think that's what's going to be Zamasu's downfall. Is what people think too. Is that is that why he's like all purple and monstery? Yes, and... that's what that's what people think. Yeah. Okay. That that because because I was like very weirded out by that. So it's e- which is even crazier because that means that they're going to do it as base form and then they're still going to be able to do it. I thought they would. You think that they'd be able to achieve a much higher power than than Super Saiyan Blue. I don't know. Past, you know what I mean, as as Vegito. I mean, when they were Vegito, yeah, I, it just depends how hard they try. Like, we can't judge based off too much off the first Vegito because we didn't see him go full out. For all we know, he could have easily gone Super Saiyan three. Like, yeah, we don't know. Like, we he never didn't have to. Yeah, but Super Saiyan got Super Saiyan Vegito seems, you know, Goku and Vegeta itself are like that is crazy. I can't imagine. <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's crazy because like we we see their power level, but like they they're only ever. They only ever they go straight to blue now. Yeah, I wish there was the intensity from Dragon Ball Z, but I don't know. I feel this episode's gonna have some intensity. Yeah, like they 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 always go straight to blue, and then and then you know what I mean. The the, the enemy is so powerful, but so they need to go straight to blue. Yeah. I, I understand that, but it, in the past, Goku would always try every form just to see you know what he right. would need to do, and if he needed to go above it, then he did, and right. and that was always like the the. Uh, the thing that made it so triumphant, right? You know, I mean, now they're just like we're going straight to our full power, and Boy, they need it. They would have, which is crazy. Yeah, either way, it's crazy because it's still not working, and you know that that's their full power. It's just they're just saving time by not going to three. Which is this whole thing is this whole entire, if you want to call it season, this whole super has been about Goku in the very first episode. I imagine. Not first episode, but the very first encounter with Beerus, he goes Super Saiyan three. Does he not in Super? Yeah. See, because I didn't watch that stuff. Yeah, that. I caught up. I caught. I caught up with the show like after. Yeah, we watching it. We started watching it together after that. Like after Battle of the Gods would have taken place. But I can't wait. Like, I just can't wait, man. Like, oh, I mean, dude, the hype I, is so real. I can't wait till Sunday for a whole. Like, I can't even care less about Walking Dead right at the moment. Yeah, dude. Our our our. Um, it's Twitter be the feed blew up. Ever. It's yeah, be way too fast. I posted one thing about this on our Twitter feed, and dude, uh, we got so much attention from it. Yeah. Like it was, it was insane. Now, on speaking of Walking Dead, next week we should I should have put it in the news, but next week is a ninety minute episode, um, and it will follow the aftermath of the premiere. So we will be back at Alexandria. We will see. I don't know how much time has passed. Uh, probably somewhere near a week. Because I know Negan is expected to show up to Alexandria. Yeah. This is in the clip of him knocking on at the gates. Right, to get us food or whatever. Or um, also in the clip, uh, it's very uneventful, but Eugene is seeing 
putting together a radio. Yeah. Or something like that. And, and That's crazy. And, that doesn't happen until way later. Well, he's like putting it together and he pulls up. Or Rosita pulls up with uh, that fucking dude. I can't remember his name. The, the son of the lady who ran the place. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Spencer. Uh-huh. She shows up with Spencer and they're like, hey, Eugene, you want to come out with us? We're going to go out and look for stuff before the Savior show up. You think on Christmas, like when Spencer has his pile of presents and like his sister tried to open them, he goes, no, those are Spencer's gifts. <laughs> What the fuck, dude? I don't know why I follow up. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's, al- that's almost episode title changing. What? Spencer's uh, gifts. I thought it was funny. That's funny as shit. All right. But then it just shows Negan showing up. You hear all the same. Before they even get out of the gate, the, all the saviors show up, and you see Negan ominously knocking. See, to me, Lucille. Like I don't remember too much from the comic books about how all this went. But in the show, Ezekiel, the, the, his town or whatever, the hilltop, don't, is that a hilltop? Yeah, no, the kingdom. The kingdom. They don't know that Negan exists. The the regular people in the kingdom. Because remember, because Zeke keeps it secret from them, so he, you know what I mean? That's what yeah. they said in the show. But here, are Negan's coming to their place and making himself completely known. Did he not do that to the kingdom? Like, See, that's that's something that another, another podcast was bringing up. I wonder, like, if it, just depending on how he comes across to them, if he respects certain wishes. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he's treating Alexandria like this because they were assholes. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It killed all of his men. Right. You know what I mean? Who knows what the hilltop did to them, but the kingdom, if he just stumbled across the kingdom and he was like, he was like, hey, you know, I'll gladly fill your wishes, but we're not doing this in front of my people. Right. I feel like Negan may respect that. I don't know about that. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Not Maybe not show Negan. I'm, I really don't know how it went in the comic book. I can't remember, but... Um, Anyway, that's that's it for nerd news. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna get right into uh, our meat of the episode, which begins with the Walking Dead. guys the walking dead season seven episode three the cell written by angela king directed by Ulrich riley music the collapsible hearts club easy street and who's the boss theme song uh yeah i don't have any information about the composition of the actual right soundtrack of the show but um it's probably by the same guy who i, I can't remember his name right 
But anyway, so what happens in the episode, we're taking a little bit of a different approach to these TV things. That way it speeds things up just in case you guys are like, whoa, this is a different format. But yes, totally different format. Uh, Daryl is taken by Negan to the sanctuary, home of the saviors. We get an in-depth look at his stay and what the saviors are putting him through. Meanwhile, Dwight is sent on a mission to bring back a runaway member of his group who thinks that Negan's way or die isn't exactly what his, he and his wife signed up for. Yeah, I mean, those three lines pretty much cover the entire episode. It was it was a good episode. I wouldn't say it's a bad episode. No, it, it was just, just not, literally not that much happened. It was a lot of the... Yeah, and I, I want to say it was quiet, but it certainly wasn't quiet. It made you feel extremely fucking bad for Daryl. Oh, that's for damn sure. Like, that is terrible. Like, I couldn't imagine... Like, Th- that song playing over and over again was driving me crazy <laughs> watching it for 40 minutes. For an easy street. I can't imagine being in that cell just hearing that. I would go, I would lose my shit. Yeah, especially since we have no idea how long it has actually been since he, you know what I mean? Yeah, it could have been days. And... Like, I, I don't, I just can't even know. I used to stay at my buddy Seth's house and his mom every morning would wake up and she would play uh, a song. I can't remember who it's by, but it would always go, Lady! When I'm with you, <laughs> every morning, and that shit would drive me crazy on repeat until we woke up. Right. And she did it just to fuck with us, and I just, I, I so I, I totally feel like I almost sympathize with Daryl on hearing that fucking. I song. don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a stretch. While you're listening to that song and eating a dog food sandwich, maybe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But so the. The script and dialogue of this episode, in and of itself, was very little. There wasn't much happening. Um, it wasn't all bad. Negan uses a fair bit of repetition in his speeches to Daryl um, when not talking amongst the saviors in the sanctuary themselves. Like he, he doesn't really repeat himself. There's there's a lot of talk between him and Dwight and and him and a couple of the other saviors. But we get the are are we pissing our pants yet? Line. We get that again. Um, you were for me, the new world order, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a bunch of repetition when it comes to him repeating himself to right. Daryl. You know what I mean? He's trying to pound it. But I think there's reason. You know, he's trying to pound it in his head. Like, the, this is the way it's going to be. And, he, you know, and there's an ultimate goal at the end of it, of the episode, trying to get Daryl to say that he's he's Negan. Right. <clears throat> yeah, because like, there's that scene. He's Everybody's like... He's like, who are you? He's like, I'm Negan. And his goal is to get... Daryl's like, I'm not going to bow. And then, and then uh, Dwight's like, you will. Like, everybody bows. Like, I didn't think I would either, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, yeah, well, the, the acting for this episode, uh, the acting was on point for every character. I mean, you really feel for Daryl Dixon in this episode. I mean, it's messed up the way he's being treated and the cell he has to stay in. It's just dark as fuck. Cement, he was naked for a while. <clears throat> and his reaction alone was genuine. Genuine, like... Dwight and Negan specifically were great in this episode. Uh, I mean, Negan is Negan. He, you know, there's no doubt anymore that right. he portrays the fantastic Negan. Yeah, and I, I continue to praise G- JDM <clears throat> on his performance. I don't personally like Dwight. I don't like. I don't like the guy they chose to pick Dwight in my opinion. No, yeah, as a as a, I don't think he's a bad actor, but he's not the Dwight that I thought. Yeah, nothing against the actor himself. It's just that's not who I would have pictured for Dwight. Like I just can't see it. Yeah, because in my in my head, Dwight acts totally different in the comics. He's not such a weird, like, guy. Yeah, I don't know. He's strange in the show. I, I completely agree with that. Um, as far as what we loved and what we hated... Um, I mean, I don't say I hated much of this episode. I mean, I hated that song now. Like, I don't like that song ever. Yeah, which, by the way, I apologize, <laughs> but I had to put that in the show. I oh, had to. Um, 
it was a good episode. I mean, we we got to see exactly what Negan does. And it's just as fucked up, you know, like yeah, like that's fucked up shit. Now, things that I that I that I really enjoyed was that we got to see Negan's um, line of defense as walkers, yeah. and we get to see people put it, putting it up there, and it, it's kind of interesting. It it reminds me of uh, Davy Jones' ship from Pirates of the Caribbean too. All those people in the bottom. That and just like the the part of the crew, part of the ship. You know, what I yeah. mean, if you if you fuck up, you're gonna become right. you're gonna become his wall. Like he's like you're either gonna work for me. Or you're going to be a walker. Or you're going to be a walker and work for me that way. You're, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, that's – it's just interesting. It's like a, he's basically just like an apocalypse zombie pirate yeah. captain. <laughs> he's just doing – it's just crazy. Like, Negan is so – even, even Davy Jones stays clear of Negan, though. He's like, fuck yeah. that guy. <laughs> he's like, what, Negan's here? I'm out. I'm out. Fuck that. He's like, Negan's out there on my only one day that I can be on land. I can't even go on land. He's like, I'm not doing it. (laughs) not happening. (laughs) So, uh, there was one more thing I was going to say. No, I can't remember. Uh, We get a little bit of insight to the iron because... Oh, yeah. That was what what it was. A little bit of spoilery stuff here. Um, In the comic books... Negan is known... He irons people's faces. That is what's wrong with Dwight's face. Because he stole his wife or whatever, and then he—that was Dwight's punishment, I believe—was to get his face ironed for running off that one time with the meds and whatnot. Yeah, and he ironed his face, which gosh, with that has got to be terrible. It, yeah, and it it, it 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 happened to piss Negan off that he, that was the, he was going to marry Dwight's sister-in-law. Yeah, and Dwight running off with his wife and sister-in-law caused her Negan's future wife to die. And that pissed him off, so, yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. But overall, the episode was slow. Uh, basically, we're just we're just seeing the the sanctuary. We didn't even see the outside of the sanctuary, like what it, mm-hmm. like the silhouette against the right. sky or anything like that. So I don't know what is coming, but like we talked very briefly before we got into this episode, next week's 90 minutes. So we're getting like, more, you know, we're always going to have more Negan. You know, there's... When he says at the end of the premiere, you know, I'm just getting started. That's that is not a lie. Like no. he is, he is very, he's a villain that just dips into your psyche, and that's what that's what you want. But overall rating out of ten, I don't know. I mean, it's the first time we've done anything really like this, so we're kind of just starting. It's hard to say, man. I don't really, I can't put a number on it. It's just it was it was a good episode, but it was just short. And... Yeah, maybe we won't do that overall rating, but. But yeah, that's like like I said, we didn't take notes for it, but there's not really a whole lot that right. we pretty much covered everything that happened. Um, you got no no more further story about the kingdom, no more further story about Alexandria. Just I have to give it to Daryl. He's holding it strong. He he will not say he is Negan. He, he that's at for the sure. very end. He asks, "Who are you again?" And he's like, "I am Daryl Dixon." Yeah, so I'm Daryl. He said. Yeah, mad respect on Daryl for just not giving into it. Now I'm imagining this is all going on within that week's time that Negan left after you know after the premiere and the week before he shows up to Alexandria. That's the only thing we can right. base it off of is that that's the time frame that which is happening. But yeah, not too bad. But if, anything else that you want to say about it? No. All right. Well, then that'll be it for The Walking Dead. And we'll go right into the DCCW TV shows. Why is it doing this? And we're starting with Supergirl, 
and moving on through Legends of Tomorrow. Supergirl Season 2, Episode 4, titled The Survivors. Um, some of the production info. It was directed by James Marshall and James Bamford. Written by Paula Yu and Eric Carrasco. No, there didn't seem to be any special guests this episode, and no noteworthy, no, no noteworthy music. But I'm going to get right into the plot summary for this one. While John Jones is trying to connect with another of his kind... Alex and Agent Sawyer discover an illegal underground alien fight club. Supergirl shows up to try and stop this from continuing, but gets her ass handed to her. Quote from Supergirl herself. <laughs> Meanwhile, Wynn and Mon-El, the Daxon that had crash-landed, hit it off, and after discussing, after discussing Mon-El becoming a hero, they decide to go for a drink, causing two humans to be hurt in the process. We learn that Miss Martian is involved in the fight club by her own choosing. And Kara continues... Kara... <laughs> fucking... Cat Grant gets me saying Kara. Kara continues to struggle, balancing her reporter side with her superhero side. Kara uses her connection via Lena Luther to learn the location of the Fight Club. Supergirl shuts, that sh Supergirl shuts that shit down and convinces the other aliens that the Fight Club is not the answer. And after the aliens turn on her, uh, they arrest Roulette. After arresting Roulette, John and the higher ups. Well, not John, but somebody, I don't know why I put John. Somebody, somebody in the higher ups. Down to the police say that they had to let her go, so Roulette is free, so I'm sure we'll see more of her. Miss um, Martian makes amends as John leaves. So Miss Martian and John make amends. John shows up to her apartment, they make amends. And as he's leaving, she reveals herself to be a white Martian, and the episode ends there. Which is crazy. Oh, absolutely. I didn't That's expect crazy. it at all, honestly, because no, Miss yeah. Martian is an actual character. Right, yeah, she's from Young Justice or uh, Teen Titans. So I did not expect her to be a white Martian. Right. Now, what I'm thinking is maybe, like, that story she told about a white Martian helping her get off the planet. Maybe that's her. Either, and maybe that's her and she's keeping the uh, the actual Miss Martian hostage or prisoner or right. something. Yeah, maybe because it's like, because now that you mentioned that, John didn't think... He's like I've never heard of one, you know, turn, you know, breaking rank or, you know, turning right. good or whatever. But like everybody can be different. But even so, that that is even more of a reason why she doesn't want to do the bond with him because he would immediately know. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, and then even after the Fight Club thing, she still didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, John got called away, so who knows? Like, I don't know, but yeah, so who knows what would have happened if? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It's it's very interesting now. Uh, set aside from the, the obvious problems we have with Martian Manhunter getting his ass kicked this episode. Um, yeah, he got gonna... taken down by humans with tasers. Like I, yeah, it's I don't pretty... feel that that would happen. And even even last season, there, you know, he was he was 
getting his ass handed to him by, like, lower-ranked Kryptonians. Yeah, I don't know. And I know that he can go punch-for-punch punch with Superman. Oh, yes. Now, I, I, I don't know, you know, how he t gets tired, if he gets tired out, and if he loses strength and ability. I don't know, man, but not that quickly. Like, they, I don't know, they've weakened him down quite a bit for this show. I think. Oh, for damn sure. That's not the Martian Manhunter show, it's Supergirl, so maybe, I don't know. It's just weird, because, yes. I mean, yeah, he would be extremely powerful, but... So the, the the whole episode opens up on the destruction of Daxum, and you see, uh, you know, what Monel is doing while Krypton is being destroyed, which is the Krypton. Daxum is Krypton's sister planet. So in the process, Monel finds a Kryptonian ship. He gets in the ship. He asks his friend that he's with to uh, type in the coordinates for someplace, and he sends him off without getting in the ship. And Monel is pissed, and then, you know, he, he flies off, and then, then they cut right back to present day DEO. Right. Um, now, you know we mentioned some things already. Um, Alex is summoned to the by Sawyer, and they go they go to the Fight Club. Um, we get a mention of an alien. He has like thorns on his arm. It's a Bravok or Bravok. How I can't remember how they said it. Bra Bravok. Bravok. Now I, I don't know this, if it's noteworthy in the comic books, but maybe that just I'll just bring it up. I believe this next alien is though. We'll talk about it when we get there. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but yeah. So the, the overall overall arc of this of this thing is them trying to find the they find an alien body that has been killed has been killed and it's got a thorn in his arm and they're Which like, oh, is, we got to find the, the and perpetrator. It's not normally a violent alien, according to Hakara. So right, that's what makes it more suspicious. This they like they said they don't even like to argue. I'm like you know, there's no way this thing is just fighting. Like, right. So they narrow it down. They find this guy. They chase him and then he's and he's uh he escapes in a van that he he's seemingly pulled away out, yeah, he was out. stolen like he wasn't yeah. he didn't go on his own free will right but he's all about like don't let them hurt me don't let them hurt me and, and i don't know at the, at the moment i didn't exactly know if he was talking about alex and sawyer or if he was talking about the people that were taking him but i'm pretty sure that was what he was talking about but, um, uh, so this is where this is where uh alex and sawyer agent sawyer find the fight club by following a lead to the thing, and the whole episode kind of makes you think that Sawyer is like feeling has feelings for Alex. She's a lesbian. Yeah, in like a weird relationship. Right. Yeah, she's getting kind of odd with her. But all right, we see a cool fight between the Bravik and the Miss Martian. But the Miss Martian beats his ass. Like fuck yeah, she does. You know what I mean? So she, it was just cool the way she was teleporting and getting. She was phasing through his punches and shit. And which now that we know, we know she's like seeming. She seemed to be more powerful than. Hank, but she is a white Martian, so maybe. Well, yeah, that's but Hank I mean. also wasn't trying, you know. What I yeah, mean? he didn't, he didn't want to hurt, hurt her. her, so we don't know. But uh, it's funny because I I made a comment because uh, she she came in as the black chick that she was portraying. She transforms into Miss Martian, fights for like ten seconds, and then transforms back. I'm like, huh? Must have reached their budget then <laughs> for that because like you can only transform for like fifteen seconds, and then we got to cut that shit down. <laughs> so. Uh, so you see that this this fight club is happening, and um, oh shit, I lost my train of thought here. Well, Sawyer looks at Alex and says, "We should have called backup." And then Alex says, "I did." And then Supergirl comes crashing down. Oh, that's right, that's right. And uh, she gets to fight an alien known as Draga, which I believe he must have some relevance because that's a powerful. He, he beat he beat her, he handed he handed her ass to her on a silver platter. That's for damn sure. And even later in the episode, you hear Monel saying something like, "Like oh, I heard you fought Draga." And, you know what I mean? So even he knew who she was or who he was, but Kara didn't. I don't know if Kara did or not. I, don't, I actually don't know if she did or not, but I About don't. his leg? 
No, just a, in general. Monel knew oh, yeah. about this guy prior to it. That's not how you spell it either. It's D-R-A-G-G-A, I think. D-R-A-A-G-A. Oh, okay. Draga. Draga, yeah. Oh, I, I yeah, I know this picture. guy. He looks a lot different, but I've seen him a lot. You see him a lot in the cartoons and shit. Yeah, he's a beast. This guy's a monster. Interesting. I love how they pull the you know the deep deep cuts of the DC universe, and sometimes in these shows, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, see, I never would have recognized him if I didn't see his animated form. Right. So we have a list here of powers and abilities. Not very long. Not very long. He says the one thing it says that Draga is superhumanly strong and resistant to injury. His strength level is almost in the same class as Superman. Oh damn. So he's almost as strong as Superman. Right. I don't think he can fly and shit, though. No. Well, and it's also revealed in this episode that mon cannot fly. Yeah, he um, doesn't have any of the powers. He has the strength, and pretty much just the strength. He has the strength. He can leap. Yeah, but that goes hand-in-hand hand with strength. Yeah, and he doesn't have he doesn't have heat vision, doesn't have frost breath, doesn't have any of that stuff. Um, but At least the, that we know of. But he the, the bond he forms with when... Um, he says, like, oh, I want you to create my superhero suit and give me a name and all this stuff. And then Wynn's like, hell yeah, you, I, you know, I'll do that. And then he's like, wait a second. He goes, you're just using me to get out of the DEO because mm-hmm. Hank wants to hold him there because he doesn't want him to, to run out. So, uh, and they, they haven't, have they discussed yet whether or not he was uh, subject to being hurt by lead? I don't think so. They haven't mentioned anything. Okay. That was something we, we figured out last week. See, but according to like the powers and abilities of a Daxamite, they can fly. Huh. They have inherent enhanced senses, enhanced hearing, telescope vision, X-ray vision, heat vision. But they react to a different sun. Mon-El can survive in the core of Earth's sun, and in fact he can turn his heat vision up to the ninth nth degree, which is many times hotter than the sun's core. Damn. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous, dude. Huh. I wonder if once they leave him outside for so long, if he'll... Because he went out, but it was at night, so I don't know. Yeah, unlike Kryptonians, whose superpowers are driven from them by the radioactive remnants of their homeworld, the Daxamite's major weakness is his vulnerability to lead, which does not exist on their planet. Another difference is that when green kryptonite can eventually kill Kryptonians after prolonged exposure, once it is removed, the pain eases and the Kryptonian's strength and powers eventually return to him or her. For Mon-El, any exposure to lead causes pain and weakness permanently, even after it is taken to safety. Oh, damn. That's crazy. That is pretty interesting. Lead. Hmm. So, during all of this that's happening, Kara is battling her her superhero side versus her new newly found love for reporting. And her and Snapper Car have one offs with each other here and there. And he 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 makes a comment about her them being a uh, fourth estate or something like that. And he's like, "We're a fourth estate, not Reddit." Yeah, because she was coming with information that she didn't have any sources or, right, you know, just Reddit, Reddit worthy no news. <laughs> so long story short, after she after she gets a story, she's like she <clears throat> starts talking to her mom, the 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 hologram of her mother, and we get a really funny uh, banter between her mom's hologram and Mon L. She starts talking shit about the Daxmites right in front of him, and it was fucking hilarious. And then she says, or he says to Kara, he's like, oh, she's a babe. And he's like, what? You don't say that about someone's mom. And he's like, oh, Wynn told me to say, taught me how to say that. And it's just, it was funny. So later in the episode, we get uh, that bullshit scene where Hank gets tased. 
which is insane and seems completely unlikely that Martian Manhunter would go down that way with a human taser. Uh, Kara meets up with Lena Luthor, like we said in the yeah, synopsis. We... She's given automatic entry to L Corp from here on out. And another character that we see that is, is pretty much to the, is uh, Roulette. Yes. You know, she's a pretty decently big character. She has no powers per se, but she she runs gambling rings and stuff like that. She's involved with uh, the Royal Flush Gang, I guess. Oh, that's interesting. That's the the gang that yeah, we like saw Asia from Spade. Justice League Doom. Yeah. That dude was crazy. I loved that, the yeah. way he looked. Yeah. But yeah, she, you know, she... Like I said, she doesn't know particular powers, but she's been in and out of the comics and the animation quite a bit, so... That was another comic book noteworthy character to mention. She looks pretty close. She's not Asian in the comic books, I don't think. Right. So, let's see. We already talked about um, again Moors and Martian Manhunter fighting. Uh, and their big reveal at the end. She apologizes to Hank. And Hank wants to move on with the friendship. And, asks, and he says, you know, I'll do the bond whenever you're ready to do the bond or whatever. And this, this bond that he's talking about is the, Mar- the Martian's way of... They share everything. Yeah. There's no secrets. It's like every aspect of their mind is open for interpretation. Which is cool. Yeah. It's a very interesting thing. I did not. I actually did not know that about Martian Manhunter and the way that they lived on Mars. So it's it's pretty interesting. But it's all it's all it, it's all crazy stuff. It's it's. It was a good episode. Yeah, it was a great episode. It wasn't. It's funny because there wasn't a lot of Supergirl in this episode, but it was all right. But yeah, so I don't, I don't really have much else to say about it. We pretty much covered every important thing that happened. It's just fucking up. Oh yeah. But so. Uh, Why? So we're gonna move right into the flash. into The Flash, Season 3, Episode 5, entitled Monster. Directed by C. Kim Miles, written by Zach Stentz, who was also the writer for Kevin Smith's episode and is a continued writer in the series now. Um, that was last That was last year. He wrote uh, Runaway Dinosaur uh-huh. and Kevin Smith directed, and he also wrote this episode, which is interesting because this episode was uh, odd. But uh, the... Plot is while Caitlin Snow does some soul searching with her mother, the team tries to get a handle on H.R. Wells, and Barry struggles with Julian at the crime lab. A new enemy seemingly has showed up in Central City—a big ass monster. The monster seems to have all or have an ill effect on the city's electrical grid. Meanwhile, H.R. Wells seems to be hiding something. Caitlin begins testing her powers at her mother's lab, where we then begin to see Killer Frost emerging. Barry seems to be gaining the trust of Julian, convincing him that not all metahumans are a nuisance. The giant monster turned out to be a hologram controlled by a young kid who felt powerless but wanted to feel important. But when Julian tries to stop him and almost kills him, the Flash prevents it. 
being the tipping point, causing Julian to think differently about metahumans. Meanwhile, we learn HR's true purpose. He was not the one to solve the puzzle. It was his partner, and he asked to stay on the premise. Or yeah, he he has to stay on the premise that he can think of ideas that others that the others can execute. They give him one month to test his worth, and Barry and Julian go out for a drink. <coughs> yeah, this was an interesting episode. It wasn't. I feel like it was kind of fillery. It was very fillery. Very much so. Like it wasn't. There wasn't an actual bad guy. It was that stupid thing, and then H.R. Wells was it was like an introduction to him and what yep. was going on. And it was the second, was episode, the second episode in a row. In a row where we didn't have any further story for Dr. Alchemy and the metahumans from Flashpoint right. and all that stuff like that. So that was interesting. But, um, not to the fact of, you know, uh, between Cisco and H.R. Wells, Cisco doesn't seem to like him very much. He's very standoffish towards him. Right. Which is interesting. And that, this is where we find out when uh, Barry's living with Cisco and, and he's making him breakfast every day. And yeah. It's just, it was funny. Like, it was a interesting banter between them. And he's like, I don't I don't really like this new HR guys. So it was... It was, it was yeah, because, I mean, they've had a lot of bad times with uh, Harrison Wells's, so... Right. And, but, and even HR even mentions it later in the episode. Like, he's like, you've had two guys with my face right. in the last three years to that... But he also acts very weird. Like, throughout the episode, he always acts... He seems to be saying a lot, but saying nothing. Like, Oh, yeah. He's saying a lot, but nothing's helping. Like, and they notice that at the end. They're like, he's not really doing anything. Like, he's, okay. <laughs> it's really funny. I, I mean, I, it's completely comical. I really like the, I, I like the guy. I just wish yeah, he was as smart as the other, yeah, but the it's other right. Wells. He has ideas, but... And then we get to see Caitlin. She goes to see her mother, who is a cryomedicine expert. Yes. So her having her freezing powers is pretty convenient. Right. And she's, so she walks in there and she kind of – her mom is not – you know, doesn't really understand why she's there. So it's kind of just immediately talking down to her. And, and then so Caitlin has to get her attention by freezing the desk in front of her. And, right. And, and her mom's like, oh, well, cancel all my other appointments. we got some work to do. Yeah. So but, that, uh, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's funny. Like this certain little thing, like the new Wells is very uppity. He's completely different than any other. He seems to be more like his character from Scrubs than than any Harrison. Wells yeah, that's seen. funny that you mentioned that. I heard somebody else talking about JD's brother. Yeah, that's what he. It seems like he is that. <laughs> and uh, he mentions that there's no coffee on his Earth, which sucks ass. Yeah. Earth nineteen. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> Earth nineteen. It was right. Yeah, Earth nineteen. Said all of their coffee stores were destroyed by blight. What it what the fuck is blight? Does something to destroy crops or something? I don't know. Hmm. I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna look it up. Oh. I have. I have a... Um. So yeah. So Cisco continues to be very harsh toward him as a. Hmm. It's a plant disease, especially one caused by fungus such as mildews, rust, and smuts. It infects plants. With Interesting. Blight. And so he mentions this about the coffee being destroyed by blight. He mentions it twice in the same episode. And it's just, you can tell Cisco and Barry are very visibly getting annoyed by everything he's doing. Maybe he was just on a caffeine high that he hasn't been on in a while. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm assuming he was. Cause so at the beginning of the episode, you see him, like, he, he like brings coffee for the whole crew. And he he's like, oh, I read all your ledgers. And now I know what kind of coffee you guys drink and all that stuff. And he brings it all. And it's just, it's, it's interesting. He's, he's working very hard to... Make everybody like him. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Cisco, Cisco is really harsh towards him. 
Like, oh, no, you're not going to do anything. You're going to sit and watch us. You're going to listen. He's like, right. But, I mean, it's interesting. But then, uh, finally we see some action. There seems to be something attacking the city. And when Barry gets there, he realizes it's a building-tall monster. <laughs> this yeah. fucker was huge. Fuck yeah, it was. It was gigantic. Which is so weird, because it's not, it's a very unlike Flash enemy that we, that we get, and we just didn't understand. Yeah, at first, you're just like, what the hell? And then, like... It was fucking shit up. Car alarms were going off. Transformers were exploding. And then Barry chases it, and it just kind of vanishes, disappears into thin air. Like, yeah. With with zero explanation, just leaving a trail of destruction behind him, which was which was crazy, because it didn't seem like it was really leaving any, like, footprints in yeah. the road or anything like that, which I feel like should have tipped them off. Right. To it being something otherworldly or other... Something else. Yeah, something something completely different. And we get to where H.R. Uh, Wells is acting strange. Everybody leaves the room, and he's kind of talking into, like, a pen recording. He's like, oh, something about the characters. He goes, they don't know my real reason for being here yet. Like, he seems to be there. For, he seems to be bad. So we're like, fuck, another fucking bad Wells. Like, right. Way to go. So that at this point, that's what we think. And so it's, he sounds very suspicious. Yeah. He says all the characters are in place, and nobody still knows my real reason for being. It's just weird. So we get the what was that thing that Caitlin's mom had that that she wanted her to freeze? It was like some type of magma lava thing. I don't know exactly. I think she said it was like tungsten. I don't know. It was a superheated chemical of some sort that was that she wanted. She's like, if you can freeze this, she's like, then we have something to work with. And so Caitlin freezes it with little effort, which was crazy. It's crazy to think that her powers are so cold, like. That, yeah, colder than that machine they built. Yeah, which I, I did find out later that uh, from another there, – there's another podcast I listened to in regards to The Flash, and they said that he's like a science teacher, and he says that absolute zero cannot physically be reached. Like, So they just are saying it is like a base, you know, a base point, but he said absolute zero is impossible to reach. Yeah, well, this is the DC universe. Well, yeah, I mean – It's also impossible to fly and shoot lasers from your eyes. Well, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not discrediting yeah. the, the Flash. I'm just, it's just it – just, uh, a little bit of a factoid, which is interesting. I didn't know that. They talked about absolute zero several times. So Lane's looking up some stuff about what Caitlin was trying to freeze here, and see, like they they mentioned in the episode, but her she absorbs heat and turns it cold. That's crazy. Perhaps she was absorbing all the energy and stuff. So that's crazy. So we get that that black scientist guy that's helping her mom. Um, wants to hold Caitlin and and take credit for her powers and and what he can do with them and and things like that and she like hurts him to you know you start to see Killer Frost emerging from her her eyes turn white yeah her eyes turn all white and and she you know freezes his hand and then her mom walks in and says a bunch of uh, she, you know, so she tries to stop him stop her from doing anything and. And then she leaves to go back to Star Labs to see what's going on over there. And at this point, Cisco and Barry have gone through HR's stuff and find that pen with the recording. And then he walks in and is like, what's going on? And he tells Cisco to like listen to the rest of it, and it's nothing. So at this point, he reveals to the, to Cisco and Barry that he's actually a science fiction, science, science fiction writer. Like a novelist. Yeah, he says he's a novelist and a scientist. And that that's what he's here to to write about his next great adventure on Earth One. 
So that's a very interesting thing. And then because Cisco kind of calls him out on it while he's he's sitting in front of the computer, he's like, I can't triangulate this this thing. He's like, this computer doesn't act like mine do. This mine happens does. after that. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah, because at this point he tells him that he's a scientist novelist. That's right. That's right. But then later he's when he's doing that triangulate thing, he's like, I, it's not the same. He's like, you don't. You're a fake. You, know, you don't know shit. <laughs> and then that's when he admits that his partner did do, uh, cracked the code. And they sent him, but he's just a novelist. But he hasn't. He's an idealist instead right. of an executionist. So he said that he still has value as an idealist. Like he can think of things other people don't. He thinks outside the box, but he's not capable of executing things like. So I mean, that, that still holds value. I yeah, guess. that's not that's not the worst thing. That Everything starts from an idea, right? So and he's he's the whole episode. He's basically been planting ideas in their heads, and then yeah, and then they you know they actually like that thing with the carbon fiber <coughs> rope and and things like that, but. Uh, after they find out it's a hologram, and and there, you know, there's a whole underlying story about Julian and Barry wanting to job shadow Julian and mm-hmm. become friends with him, and um, Julian figures out where the uh, hologram is coming from. You know, and it's, it's at the top of a building that's in the line of sight of everywhere that the attacks have been happening. And as he goes up there, as we said in the plot synopsis, he's trying, he tries to, he's going to shoot this kid, but then the flash stops him and this changes Julian's mind about metahumans and all that jazz. Right. They start to become friends. And then, uh, at the end of the episode, we see Caitlin is getting a message from her mother and then she kind of loses her shit. Uh, yeah. And she, she's turning evil. See, but, uh, I can't understand if the powers themselves make her evil or what's making her evil. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm not sure on that. Because people with powers can be good, but it's either she's choosing to be evil or it's just some latent feelings. I don't. It's it's pretty interesting. That's for sure. I, and and you could thank Barry because she wasn't fucking Killer Frost in his in the original timeline. Yeah. So we can get. Um, we're gonna get Kevin Smith's episode is called Killer Frost, and that's coming up real soon. Episode 7, I believe, and this was, what, 5? Yeah, so two weeks from now, we're going to we're gonna get the real Killer Frost emergence. And it'll be, it'll be crazy. So, I, I'm good on this episode. I have nothing more to say. you have anything else you want to talk about? I mean, it was a good episode. I mean, it was, like I said, it was fillery, but it was good. I liked it, I guess. Like, yeah. It wasn't I, much action. But... I like H.R. Wells. Yeah, he's funny as shit. I, I'm I'm down with him staying. I hope that he continues. And it's funny because we didn't talk about it, but at the very beginning, he when he when everybody comes in to work that day at Star Labs, he's like he's like welcome everybody, and he starts like like he's teaching a class right. or something like that. He's like I've got clues hidden throughout the entire facility for all you guys to go find and do all this stuff. And they're like, whoa, we're like a you know we got work to do. Right, and, and and they're like, "How do you say see you later on this earth?" That was funny as shit. Like, he does he's a like, dabby thing. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, he like does a dab thing. He's like, "Until our next commencement or whatever." It's it was fucking weird. <laughs> I don't know. I really, I very much enjoy him. He's a he's a good character. But so, all right. So I guess that completes the Flash. Uh, we're gonna get right into Arrow. Arrow, Season 5, Episode 5, called The Human Target. Directed by Laura Belzi, written by Oscar Balderrama and Sarah Tarkov. No noteworthy special guests or music. 
The plot summary of this episode. Wild Dog is still Church's captive. The team sets out to rescue him, joined once again by John Diggle as Spartan, donning his brand new helmet. After Church reveals his plan to Wild Dog, Oliver and team show up to rescue him, which does not make Prometheus happy, by Church not heeding his warning to stay away from the Green Arrow. Where we then meet another mask-wearing, sword-wielding man who is protecting Church. Now, we had, didn't learn the name of this guy, I don't think they ever did. He didn't make it very long in the episode, but he was kind of cool, I guess. But, uh, while once again... While once again seeing into the past of Oliver Queen his, and his time becoming Broadfa. Upon the return of Wild Dog, Diggle is to, de is to deeply debrief him to find out Church's next big play when he also admits telling Church Arrow's true identity. So that's bad. He, you know, in the midst of being tortured, Wild Dog tells Church that Oliver Queen is Arrow. Oliver, knowing that he would be assassinated, makes a plan involving a friend of Diggle's, known as Human Target, to lure Church into a sense of security where they finally are able to take him down, only to have him and his police escort killed by none other than Prometheus, but not before Church revealed the true identity of the Green Arrow, while the reporter is seemingly coming across Oliver Queen's true identity. I said that really bad. okay but not but not before church revealed the true identity of the green arrow while the reporter is seemingly coming across oliver queen's true identity which what do we mean by that is you know he he's telling people that oliver queen oh he, he's dead now but he told him that oliver queen was the green arrow and this girl is seeing into the past of oliver queen that nobody really knows but besides the people that know he's the green arrow right you know like the broad for shit and all that like so and, and yeah it, it's Exposing what truly <clears throat> happened to him while he was stranded on an island, quote yeah. unquote. Like, see, this for five was taken years. five years ago when he was supposedly on an island. Yeah, but. so it's it's all really fucked up. I knew eventually all this shit would come to light, and it's I'm happy because the the flashbacks are now becoming very relevant. Yes, you know, I mean, not that they weren't so re they were very relevant in the first two seasons, and then they, they just streamed off. They, not that they weren't relevant. Like with the Damien Dark stuff, you know what I mean? But it was so like, I feel like all of the flashbacks are leading up to these flashbacks, right? You know what I mean? Which is which is perfect. And and this I have no I have great. no idea what they're gonna do next season, man. When they don't have flashbacks to to tell, I don't know. I don't. Because he was don't. only gone for five years. You know what I mean? Right. This is it. This is the, the last of the flashbacks. So they're really they're going all out for this. I'm sure they might do other things like different flashbacks from, like say, deleted scenes or you know what I mean right. from the first seasons or whatever which might be interesting you know we'll get all, all out arrow for the rest of forever right but i truly am not certain how long this show might go on for yeah i'm not sure not that it's not great this season's fantastic this was a this was a good episode yeah i really i, I very much enjoyed this episode there was, there's a lot of stuff happening it's funny. Just last week, or just the other day, I was telling Nate, I'm like, I'm like, I think Church is going to be the bad guy in Arrow for quite a while, and then he now is dead. <laughs> yeah, so I, didn't last very long. No. Which I wasn't expecting at all, honestly. No, I mean, I fully expected him to go to Iron Heights and then Prometheus. Now, I can't oh, wait yeah, to see man. that. I don't know who that fucking is. I don't know. He's very, very determined to take down Arrow, and it's. You you hit the nail on the head with it pretty much being like Oliver's version of Zoom. Yeah, he looks a lot like him. He's like the reverse Arrow, pretty much. Yeah. He's, so let me think here. Felicity's boyfriend. Th that happens this episode where he has to meet with Oliver and he has to talk to Felicity about it. 
um, Diggles Diggles uh, says he knows a guy with a particular set of skills, which we said in the synopsis that it was a human target. Which was weird because I don't understand him because he later dresses up as Oliver and puts his face on like a mask, but he actually gets shot by that guy. Yeah, you have to. I was gonna I was gonna tell you we should you should look up human target. I info. have already, but it didn't say anything about him how he can able, take bullets. Yeah. I mean, he took five shots. Yeah, and, and it came out of his back, too, unless it was just some, some genius contraption where he had a bulletproof vest on that it took shots in the front and made it look like blood splatter and out the back because, bullet, you know, the stuff came yeah. out. Yeah. I was, I was so, I was like, oh, my God, like, Oliver's, you know, I couldn't believe that, dude. I was like, that's so crazy. So I didn't, I didn't quite, but it was, it was intense as shit. I was like, holy shit, he's getting assassinated right now. I was like, that's insane. Um, so we get we get all of that. Uh, Church meets again with Prometheus, um, and he's super pissed that he's after Oliver still. So Church hires somebody to kill Oliver, which we don't know who that is either. Yeah, we never learned that guy's name or anything. He's like some weird like vigilante dude wearing a mask. He looks like something out of Halo, like real high tech looking suit, but he doesn't do anything spectacular. He just is there to to kill him. Um, he just. This guy is just a person, man. Like that's, it's not saying anything about how he can take bullets. Like, Maybe we'll find more of that something. out. He does. He wears some pretty fucking realistic masks. Yeah. Dude, when Felicity puts that mask on, <laughs> yeah, she, you have failed this city. city. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> that was fucking great. Uh, so Diggle Diggle's living in the Arrow Cave, and he's talking with um, Wild Dog the whole episode over and over again, trying to get information from him about. What's going on in Wild Dogs? Like I've already told everybody everything that I know, and that was like I know that you remember this stuff. It's hard to not your brain, right? You know, like, stores all this. It and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, Oliver shot five times in an assassination attempt. Um, he's pronounced dead. Then he faked his death. Death. Uh, he's wearing a mask, uh, the human target's mask. Um, like I said, Felicity says to fail the city. Human target says that he, you know, his job is to become the target, so he learns everything. So even all that stuff that we had, pretty much for the whole episode with Oliver, was actually a human target in a, in his mask. And he was doing all that stuff. He got the phone number from the news anchor and and all that stuff. It, it was just crazy that that guy was just so that that when he was having that conversation with that dude about Queen Consolidated, that was the human target, right? Which is crazy. Because you were like, I would never want to be on the receiving end of that look. Oh, hell no. It was just nuts. But uh, it was still Oliver's. Oh, yeah. It was still Stephen Amell, but it was just crazy. Now, uh, we get into... They they go back out into the field when they learn. Because the purpose of them, him faking his death, was to put uh, Church into a sense of security to where he he could proceed with his action without worry of the Green Arrow. Right. Because he killed the Oliver Queen, the mayor, which he knew to be the Green Arrow. So he's like, well, Oliver's gone. So whatever. So they, they, they all suit up. And Diggle is out again, finally, back in the team. Dude, back out in the field. Big, bad Diggle. Yep. And we've been talking since season two when the hell we were going to get this goddamn new helmet. So we see, uh, and he's like, and then it's funny because he shows up and then uh, they're like, I thought nobody was going to show I thought you, the Arrow wasn't coming. He goes, oh, this is just the B team or whatever. Like, Right. So... You know, they're diggling them, and then, uh, what's his name? The, the human target ends up killing that other guy. Yeah. The guy that shot him five times or whatever. Yeah. Like, he's dead. 
Uh, Oliver fights Church. Yeah, he fight and beats his ass. Like you Fuck know, he, yeah, he, he kicks, kicks his the piss ass. out of crazy. Church. And uh, at this point, Church warns Oliver about Prometheus. He goes, "Oh, you got some way worse coming." He goes, "Somebody wants your head, Prometheus." Blah blah blah. And uh, there's a scene where Oliver is uh, back as mayor, and he's telling the city about his, what happened, like right. his plan. And he mentions some pretty key cities, Bloodhaven, which we know to be the city where Nightwing inhabits. Right. After being Robin. Crazy. That's a, yeah. It's not the first time he, they've mentioned no, Bloodhaven. No, it's still but... it's interesting. I love hearing it. Like, yeah. And Keystone City. Mm-hmm. I think that's, if I'm correct, I think that's where Raleigh West is from. I'm not sure though. I'm almost I'm almost positive. So overall, in the flashbacks uh, after Oliver's been, yeah, for it's a Keystone City is home of the Jay Garrick and Wally West. Okay, that's cool. So in the flashbacks, Oliver uh, he he's officially brought for now. Um, I wasn't really under, fully understanding what exactly was going on during these flashbacks because I was taking these notes. Well, Victor, that one guy that remember Anatoly, the, yeah. the one that had his book. No, not Anatoly. Victor, the other one. Oh, yeah, okay. When he was in the chair and Anatoly, before Anatoly shows up. Right. He doesn't like Oliver, so he was planning to get him hurt or whatever. Mm. But Anatoly mentions that they can't hurt Victor or anything because he's too high up. He's too connected. But uh, So those guys attack Oliver, but then this guy comes and rescues him and kills those other guys like nothing. Yeah, some and, Russian dude with a ponytail. But it ends up being fucking human target. Like, yeah, it's crazy. That was weird. Like, and, but Oliver has no idea that that's who that was. He just yeah, they, he just they, they cross paths. It was very strange. Yeah, that's insane. I yeah. wonder if human target recognized that Oliver was that guy from that day. He, I'm sure he'd almost have to. I feel like he's too smart not to. Yeah, you have to be smart as fuck to be able to to get into people's minds like that. Mm-hmm. So the the way the episode ends. Well, like like we said, they they now learning about Oliver's true time on the island, quote unquote. Um, as Church is being taken to Iron Heights, Prometheus takes out the whole convoy. Church gives Prometheus Prometheus uh, Green Arrow's real name, and then promptly dies afterward in a crazy chain weapon attack. Yeah, it's like a ninja star attached to a chain. Well, I think it was just a ninja star. Oh, I thought it was attached to a chain. Church. Yeah. No, I don't think it was just a ninja star. Oh, okay. But yeah, he just like throws it right through his face. Right in his neck. I heard. It's great. Which I was not expecting Church no, to die right then and there. Yeah. It was crazy. And then pro- so now now we're primarily focusing on Prometheus fighting the Green Arrow, which is I cannot physically understand who possibly could be under that mask. That people think it's what's his name? Uh, Tommy. With all the Flashpoint shit going on, dude, it could be anybody. I know it could be. Yeah, for real. And I have no idea. I feel like it's gonna be Tommy. I feel like that's what they're gonna do. I'm so intrigued as to what episode 100 is going to be like. Yeah. I can't wait till the crossovers, dude. Soon. But, yeah, so that pretty much covers Arrow. It was a great episode, I think. I mean, I love... Every time Oliver fights, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's really good. And, and did we did we wrap up this uh, Derek Samson Stardust storyline? What do you mean? After he cut all his tendons, did they take him in? I don't know if they said anything. They didn't show anything about him. Yeah, I don't remember that either. Cause that was an interesting. That was an interesting story. That dude could not feel pain. I mean, I imagine he's in Iron Heights. Like, yeah, that's what I thought. You can always just assume. So the the story's getting real crazy. Five episodes in. See, we have no idea what Prometheus is capable of either because we haven't seen him actually fight anybody yet. I mean, yeah, he just shows up, and so I'm I'm real excited. Did we get any crazy um 
like fights with uh, Ragman. Where did Ragman do this episode? He did a little bit of stuff. He stopped some guys, but that was about it. And yeah, he took some bullets to the like. You know, his suit is absolutely bulletproof. Apparently, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. He had a hard time saying something. I can't remember what it was. I I meant to write it down and I forgot. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. It's irrelevant. But all right. Well, that wraps up Arrow. We're gonna get into Legends of Tomorrow. Alright guys, Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 4, entitled Abominations. Opening up thinking that we're going to hear the rest of Barry Allen's message from 2056, only to be let down immediately, we see a time pirate crash landing in the time period of America's Civil War, Mississippi, 1863. Having previously destroyed the Time Master, it is now falling upon the Legends to take care of the situation. Ray Palmer, having lost his Atom suit, is told to stay behind by Captain Lance. After coming across Henry Scott, a slave spy, the team faces Confederate zombies, promptly leading to Henry Scott's death. After regrouping in the Wave Rider, we learn Mick has been bitten. While Dr. Palmer and Stein stay back to create a serum to cure Mick, the others go out to take care of this problem before it changes time. The team is now divided. Jax takes slavery head-on with Vixen, while Sarah and Nate help Captain Ulysses S. Grant with a zombie infestation heading their way. Jack steals the plans from the Confederates. Nate brings forth his superpowers once again to lure the zombies to their deaths. Jax decides to change this part of history because it deserves to be changed. He frees some slaves and delivers the plans to Captain Grant as Henry Scott, keeping history intact enough. Zombie Mick is cured by way of Ray Palmer's serum and a fire extinguisher, and everybody is back where they are supposed to be. Mick seeks partnership with Ray and hopes to make use of Captain Cold's gun. This episode was directed by Michael Alowitz and written by Mark Guggenheim and Ray Utanarchit. Utarnachit. Whatever you want to say. Alright, so in this episode, um, a lot of stuff happened, but at the same time a lot of stuff didn't. It's not, it's not like it uh, wasn't super crazy. Now there, there is a zombie infestation that is happening from this time pirate <laughs> that's... <laughs> got some sort of disease and he bites a bunch of people and then and these are running zombies keeping yeah mind. fuck this shit the walking dead was like this the show would have been over in season one yeah <laughs> but yeah so they're they're infected and curable yeah um, but they they also have the same type of i imagine the same type of zombie lore as the walking dead you know what i mean there you have to destroy the brain because sarah brings that chopped head and it was still alive yeah, and it was still alive so it's that the same rules still apply but it's weird it's weird that it's it's curable and it was there's a really funny scene that we'll talk about in a minute in in regards to um it being cured but like like i said mick ends up getting infected which is crazy and so the whole time ray palmer and stein are trapped in the ship where they think where mick is they think they have him trapped in a room, but he escapes. So they're, they're, they must be somewhat smart also because he figured out a way to escape instead of being trapped in this room. Right. 
So Ray, Ray Palmer was benched at the beginning of this episode because he doesn't have his Adam suit and he doesn't have any any help out in the actual field. He was like making lunch for people and having and like <laughs> yeah, it was funny. And you completely passed over the Barry Allen's message thing. I was kind of letting you trying to let you read that part, but you, yeah, oh, you I'm sorry, skipped halfway to the episode. Yeah, which I'm I don't sorry. I was just kind of bouncing around because I mentioned it at the very beginning, yeah. but I didn't mention what it said. But Barry Allen's message, uh, we get a little bit more into it, and it just says. Uh, uh, you know, a war is coming, Captain Hunter, and that's the next little chapter we get after it said, um, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to come to you this way, and, and you know, I, I'd appreciate it if you don't tell the rest of the team, but a war is coming, and I, they have, they have to. I feel like they have to be alluding to the Dominators. Something. I don't know. I don't know what the hell it could possibly be alluding to. But yeah, so they're just pretty much in the Civil War era. And uh, he, like I said, he gives Mick the the serum, but he still turns. Rick, Rick, Mick is running muck. He, he's a crazy looking zombie. Yeah, damn straight. And like you said, he would be really strong too. Yeah. And I, I would just, oh, that would be horrifying. Now, uh, Jax and Bixen decide to go to steal the Confederate plans. Sarah and. Nate decide to go to Ulysses S. Grant's front line to tell him about to warn him about the zombies, blah blah blah. And then Stein and Ray and Mick are left on the ship. So Jax tries to infiltrate, but he does a terrible job at acting like a slave and gets sent to the basement <laughs> where he is later rescued by Vixen and they decide to rescue the other slaves too because he just can't it's too much for him. Oh yeah, it's he's mouthy. You know, that's the so he obviously he, and he he sold so he showed some um disdain for the idea of it anyway but he told Stein that he's like I'm going to experience racism wherever I go but like you said it's ignorant like yeah that's stupid it's going to be way worse here like whatever. he's like the way I see it is uh, no matter what timeline I go to I'm going to experience racism but it's not, not like necessarily this. true not like living in the year 2016 it's not like going back to the 80s where I can't lock a black person in my basement and chain him to the wall if I feel like he's wronged me. Like, yeah, really. It's stupid. So, well, whatever. So, Jax decides that he's going to do this, and, and he takes Vixen with him, which is strange, too. But, um, I, I put in here, I was like, well, I didn't say it out loud, but, like, why couldn't they just go back to right before the Time Pirate crashed? They could do that in all aspects. I don't know. <laughs> Because it, this is the time he landed in. I don't know. Yeah, they should really just know. went right back like to the day before and waited yeah, for him. I don't know. Stop the they could do that happening. with every situation if that was the case. Yeah, that, then they wouldn't have a show, I guess. Um, Sarah and Nate are at the camp. They're fighting those zombies, but then the, the, the issue they're going to run into is that they can kill them all, or they can try. They're not very hard to kill, per se, but they're going to run out of ammo, because back then... Ammo was way more scarce. Like it's not right. like today. Where... And plus, they had the guns that they had to fucking pack with the. Yeah, that would suck. Uh, now the, it's funny. Nate says that he is Colonel Sanders, which fucking is hilarious. To yeah, me. like your buddy yeah. Colonel Sanders. Over, that's funny. <laughs> um, Stein mentions uh, he didn't specific. He just said that it, he says the words wa- "the Walking Dead" in this episode. Yeah, I think that's just a common. Phrase yeah, it was just funny to me. Yeah. Um. Um, as they escape, Jackson them escape, and then they're greeted by more zombies. And he tries to team up with the white guy, and the white guy, oh, you think I'm gonna hand my slaves weapons? And then he just gets eaten right after that. And Jax is like, huh, well, Karma's a bitch, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's like, save me, save me. He's like, nope, fuck you, dude. Like, listen to me, Marty. Can I call you Marty? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Not fucking so funny, no, dude. I um, love that one. Ray escapes the galley. 
That's what they said they were. Oh, and Signs like, the, oh, we're confined to the galley. And head to the med bay, and then promptly attacked by Mick. So they lock themselves in, and uh, Ray decides that he goes, maybe it's, not the, maybe it's not the thing, it's the application. He goes, I think I have to turn it into an aerosol type thing. And then so he goes to try to confront, confront Mick, I guess, and fails. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he sticks he sticks the serum into, like, a fire extinguisher. Yeah. And um, we get... So, so it's funny, because Stein is freaking out. Like, he's so scared of zombies, like... Yeah, the whole episode, he's like, he's like, don't say it, don't say that word, it's not zombies, like, it's fucking ridiculous, and so he's, they're, they're going all over the Wave Rider, and Stein is just losing his shit the whole time, he's not, he's not a fan of what's going on, and it was really funny. So he, uh, comes across, uh, Ray laying on the ground, he's like, shit, he goes, please don't be dead, please don't be dead, but he's like, well, on the other hand, if you are dead, please stay down, like, yeah, so then he goes, and he realizes he's just unconscious, and then... He looks and sees the fire extinguisher out the hallway. So it's right. like a horror movie thing. He's like, oh, okay, you can do this, Stein. He goes, just do like everything they do in the zombie movies, if you have ever watched one. Yeah. <laughs> so among all of this fear that he's feeling, he's also feeling Jax's pain that Jax is feeling yeah. while like he's never being felt experienced so scared. to slavery and, and being locked in this thing. So um, Vixen decides to go on Jax's mission, and she goes in there and... Um, she, long story short, frees Jax and the slaves, um, and then they're greeted by zombies. Yeah, and this one slave just happened to know where the plans were. Like he's, I think I know where they're at. Right. And that one slave woman also recognizes Vixen's totem. Yeah. She, saying that she's, she's a, warrior a warrior from whatever yeah. uh, town village she was from, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, this is the point where we decided that the, you know fuck these fast zombies because they were taking over. Like. Yeah, they're sprinting. It was ridiculous. But, uh, so Stein, you know, he Mick, he see, he confronts Mick, and then Mick comes running at him, and he shoots him in the face with the, the fire extinguisher, and he tackles him down, and I guess, but, and then, like, he's like, he's like, you may be stronger than me, but I can tell you right now, I'm not getting eaten. <laughs> like, right. And then he transforms back, and then he, had, all of a sudden, there was no blood down his face, it was gone. Like, right. It was kind of weird. <laughs> and he, just, the look on his face, he was like... Professor, was I just trying to kiss you? <laughs> he goes, we could only hope. <laughs> it was so fucking funny. Like, it was funny. I mean, the episode, not a whole lot happened, but it was funny. Yeah, it was. Uh, Nate, yeah, Nate Haywood, uh, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Finally gets a grasp on his, controlling his steel powers. Um, he's running away with a uh, flare. Flare, and he's leading the zombies away, and then he, he leads them on top of this, like, crate of nitroglycerin, I think is what it was. Something. I don't even know. Um, Gunpowder or something. And he turns into steel and blow, blows up the nitroglycerin, blowing up all the zombies in the process, which I agree with Amber. Why You know, his clothes weren't tarnished at all. Almost, Neither like, were the zombies. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, it's just the way. I didn't want all the naked people all over the place. I, I guess. guess. But, uh, see, what's weird to me is that he does that, right? So Sarah believes him dead, because mm-hmm. when he when he goes to get up, she goes, "Oh Nate, you're alive! You made it!" Like, right? She assumed he was just sacrificing his life for this. Like, yeah, it was weird. Like, it is pretty weird. I wonder. I wonder if that if the plan necessary didn't necessarily go as maybe maybe it was like an underlying thing. He's like, "Well, maybe my powers will work if I do it this way," and maybe he would sacrifice himself for the yeah, his yeah. love of history. And I don't know. It's strange. He's a strange character, but I like him. I'm just curious to know where Rip Hunter's going to be, but I'm I'm enjoying the break away from him at the same yeah. time because he's not exactly my favorite character. Whatever. 
But uh, it's cool because Jax takes the plans to Ulysses S. Grant and with the slaves, and he takes place. He's like uh, he takes place as Henry Scott, which is important because he's an important part of history. So his name is still going to be involved with the winning or the, the you know the change of tide for the battle. Right, and it's it's funny because I never. There's also that you get that scene where he's locked up with all them slaves, and they're like, "What's your name?" And he's like, "Jefferson Jackson." He's like, "Those are the names of some pretty powerful slave owners that you got." Yeah, it was nuts. It's, it, I'm glad that he didn't say that at all. Like, so it was, it was nice. Then we get this scene at the end where Mick offers Ray partnership and gives him Captain Cold's gun, which is cool. Making Ray another part of the team. Yeah, that's awesome. That's interesting. Snart is going to be too happy. No, if they ever get Snart <laughs> back. Well, I mean, I know he's part of the Legion of Doom and everything like that. So, uh, but we this this is the. Arrow was the only one, really, that pushed the, the, the story of the season any further. Yeah, everything else was fillerish. Yeah. This this did not push the story any further than it needed to go. And, and Supergirl doesn't seem to be having... It doesn't seem to have a story yet. Yeah, there's There hasn't no... been a story established for the season so far. Cadmus, that's pretty much it. Yeah, but one time. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, but I mean... Yeah, but they haven't really... They haven't really... Done anything with it. Yeah. Then we got that... We got that ominous message from them, like... The Man of Steel, right? Type deal, but it's cool. They, you know, they're experimenting with. But same thing with season one. Supergirl took a while to get her get on her feet before it had a, a nice thing. I'm I'm waiting to see like Maxwell Lord. Yeah, but so far, Legends season two is very different than season one. I I like it. It's you also bad. haven't seen anything of uh the magician or uh, Felicity. No, uh, fucking Thea's dad. Like, I'm having a hard time remembering his name for some reason. Oh, oh yeah, Malcolm Merlin. Yeah, that's crazy. Once. I never even I thought what, of that. I wonder what he's up to. I think he's going to be in Legends tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be cool for part of the Legion of Doom. Yeah. I know that he's got the same deal as Wentworth Miller and uh, Katie Cassidy and all them, all them for showing up and across all shows. So that'll be that'll be interesting. But that's all, that's all I got on Legends of Tomorrow. That's all I have really to say. Yeah, that's all. Me too. It was a good episode. But like I said, another fillery episode, but it's cool. Yeah, Still just good. another little fun episode. And Vixen's with them like permanently, I guess, for now, trying to search for Rex's killer. Yeah. So that's that's cool. She's on adventures with them through time, but that'll be the end of that. We're going to go Oh, the hell the hell they're going to stop Reverse Flash. <sighs> yeah. Fuck 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 if I know. We're going to get right into Pokemon Generations and cover the last couple that we've missed. All right, so we're on episode seven of Pokemon Generations, and we're going to go ahead and get this going. It is titled The Vision. The Vision. All right, perfect. Ready when you are. One, two, three. Action right away. Ooh. Um. Any intruder has broken through sector one. Boom. I've been informed. Team Magma. <laughs> that's that that that's that green Pokemon from Sapphire. That's the grass one you start off with. Yeah. Can't remember it's, it's Can't so remember his name. To make your dreams a reality. Yes. Listen up. God, I love the animation Team of this man. It's amazing, yeah. That Team Magma chick is sexy. Wait. <laughs> Courtney, you are to remain right here. Courtney. Oh, 
mighty in a boom. I don't stand a chance, pussy in a. The intruder will be arriving here very soon. I want you to make certain he doesn't get one step beyond this point. I understand, Leader Maxi, sir. God, he's a beast. That grass Pokemon. Damn straight, dude. He's fucking cutting right through doors. I'm like, mine's all a little behind yours for some reason. He has that in his glasses, that if evolution stone thing. Yeah. That makes a super mega evolution. He yeah. had it in his glasses. Huh. That was weird. I just, I can't. Propulsion system. All good to go. All communication links are open. Transceiver status is currently five by five. Radar system is a go. Forward drill control system is a go. John, I wish I would make an entire Pokemon series with this animation. Yeah. Start the engines. So pretty. The red siren. I can see it. A vision of a world changing. Boom, Groudon is a monster. Damn. Huge. Fuck yeah, he's huge. They would all be dead as fuck. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Is that a hyper beam? <laughs> Something. I don't know. What the fuck? I guess she can see the future or something. Cause that's weird. Cause they haven't left yet. Alright, name drop. I knew you would come. Too bad though. It's all over now. The submarine has been upgraded. Look at that drill. With that, even the seal on the seafloor cavern is in for a walloping. Alright, well, I'm bugging. There's more work for me to do. I'm going to have to stop you. But now I just want to... Ooh, we're going to see a great Pokemon battle here. Engage you and see what happens. Camerupt. Hell yeah. He should be strong against that Pokemon. I want to analyze you. I'm going to pull him back and throw out Marsh Tomp or something. I'm not going to show the fight. Oh. They never do, man. Yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah, dude, the animation. So good. So we're going to do episode 8 then, too? Yeah. I'm going to lower my quality here. Cause I, mine kept, like, buffering the whole episode, and I kept getting really? behind you. Yeah. We're having some internet problems today. This one's five minutes. Are we recording still? Oh yeah, we're recording. Uh, this is episode eight, The Cavern. Very short, very simple. Not much to say during the episode, I guess, because there's nothing for me to base anything off of, because this is all brand new. So. Yeah, we have no idea what's going but on. so cool. I like it. Alright, I'm ready when you are. Hold on, let me completely zero up. Alright, one, two, three. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
one of some wingles, also from Sapphire. There's a horsey, there's that fucking weird ass Pokemon, I don't remember the name of that. But I feel like an idiot, I can't remember any of these Pokemon's names. Team Aqua. <laughs> Dude's like a straight up pirate. Right. Trying to find Kyogre. There's Kyogre. Just chilling there. I finally found it. Listen up, Kyogre. The name is See, he has one on his when necklace too. I always think it's funny that these legendary Pokemon are just sitting there. Like he's just chilling there, not doing yeah. anything else. Yeah, he has nothing better to do. That's that orb you have to get to. Yeah. She looks like Sonic the Hedgehog from behind. Damn straight. It's so ridiculous. And I also wanted to see how powerful Primal Kyogre really is. Primal The only thing that's waiting for us is nothing but inescapable despair. Oh, look at that hump. If you go ahead with this plan, then Primal Kyogre will sink every living thing into the ocean. Ah, as long as I have the blue orb, Kyogre will do my bidding. Ignorant fool. As long as he has it, then he throws it. Well. He's like, you have awoken me! Oh, I guess he was, like, sealed in that thing. Oh, well, that makes more sense. Yeah, more sense than him just chilling. Boom! Damn, son. I love Kyogre. I always pick him. God, he's huge. Jesus Christ! He is fucking huge. Those wingles are like fuck, 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 <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. He's so cool looking, man. I wonder who's more powerful with the water and the weather, Lugia or Kyogre? I don't know. No, oh, poor Wingles. I'd love to see an all-out battle with every legendary Pokemon. Fuck Magikarp. Remember what happened to James when he said that? Yeah. Slack off. Boom, man. That is insanity. That's a lot of wingles. Holy shit. This guy's huge. This dude's so proud of what he did. Yeah, she's very upset. How are things on the surface? It's really bad here. We're done. They're horrified. Oh my. Primal Kyogre is going to sink the entire world. There'll be nothing left. <laughs> That's what she told you, you dipshit. Look, now he's all shocked. It's at the bottom of the ocean now. <laughs> what an idiot. 
He's like, oh, really, pussy? Your commands? You're dead. Boom! That was dope. <laughs> Dude, this shit would be so intense. Yeah. Dead crazy. dude. It have to be. <laughs> wow. That, that was, was cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Wow. So we have eleven episodes total, so we're still three. Mm-hmm. That's that was cool. I liked that very That's much enjoyed the that. Yeah. The scoop. The old chateau. Poop scoop. The new world. That's fucking X and Y, the new world. Yeah. Huh. I can't wait till Sun and Moon. Oh, yeah. Gotta go get ourselves some 2DSs, son. That's right. 79 bucks at Walmart. It's not that bad. No. The 3DS is quite a bit more, right? Oh, yeah. Fuck that. For sure. But, all right, well, that's all I've got for the day. Let me mark it up here. I'll do it at the end. But yeah, I'm I'm good. You got anything else you want to say? No, just like again, thank you to all the listeners that listen. Any new listeners, welcome. We, you know, tell your friends. We want we want ten thousand listeners by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> or what? Or we're gonna keep going. <laughs> That's fair. So yeah, so next week if everything works great, Doctor Strange. Whoa! Can't fucking wait. Man. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be covering that. But all right, so. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us this week. This is episode 35 and counting. We at Nerdtalkalypse Podcast assume no claim in sounds, references, music, and graphics and are not affiliated or endorsed by any companies involved, such as Disney, Lucasfilm, Marvel, DC Comics, Warner Brothers, Sony, ComicBook.com, or any of their affiliates. Nerdtalkalypse is a non-profit generating podcast made for entertainment purposes. We can be found on social media at Facebook.com slash Nerdtalkalypse and on Twitter at Nerdtalkalypse. You can also email us, Nerdtalkalypse at gmail.com. We really appreciate you listening. Please subscribe to us at any of the following servers. iTunes, Stitcher, Satchel, Player FM, and TuneIn Radio. Or also on Facebook every Monday for a live viewing of the show. Please, if you enjoy the show, let us know via email or review on iTunes. If you'd like to be a guest, either in person or via Skype, please send us an email. If there's any subject matter you wish us to discuss, please let us know. We will do all the necessary research to bring you that specific content, either in our next episode or a special of your very own. Thank you again for listening to Nerd Talk Lips Podcast.